Matthew chapter 6. I'm, we're going to do something a little bit unusual. If it finds your place in the book of Matthew, and we're going to turn to three different texts as we begin getting ready for the preaching this morning. Matthew chapter 6, and as you find your place, please stand with me. If you are visiting with us or if you came and do not have your own Bibles, in some of the every other aisle seat, there are some black hardbound pew Bibles. Matthew chapter 6. Would you read verse number 13 together? Each of these places, we're going to turn to three different places and read one or two verses together in unison, please. Matthew 6, 13. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. Now turn to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Two verses here. Verse number 12 and 13. Would you read these together in unison, please? 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. One last place, James 1. The book of James chapter 1. James 1. And verses 2 through 4, please. James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any, man, any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. James is saying this testing that's coming, sometimes you may not know how to get out of that testing or through that testing, and so you can ask for wisdom, and God will give you wisdom. We, for the past four weeks, have been looking at a different avenue of our Christian faith uh, and uh, examining that particular avenue of our faith. Today, I want to talk to you about the testing of the Christian life, the testing of the Christian life. Father, help us this morning. If I ever have seen a time in our church family when we as a church are being tested and we as a church family, individuals are being tested, it's this time. Father, I pray that you would instruct one and all of us this morning. Help us to look to your word and be bound by your word. May we be led by your spirit to understand how are we to respond to testing and temptation. And Father, I pray that you, we would be victorious. Help us to understand that you undergird us during those times. So would you take total and complete control of our hearts and our minds during this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
try to put a lot of these scriptures up on the screen if you uh, it's a blessing to have some young new brand new baby Christians in church it can't turn from haven't even learned the books of the Bible yet but they're here and they're faithful and they're with us and so we place some of these up on the screen so if you're not able to turn that you can look to the screen in the weeks gone past we have looked at a different avenue of our Christian faith we looked, I think, in week number one, I don't have this in my notes, at the nature of the Christian life. We looked and we said that we are to pick up the passion and the purpose of our Lord Jesus Christ. His passion was to do the will of His Father. His purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. But then we said as we pick up the passion and the purpose of Christ that we should expect the sufferings of Christ. We looked later on at the essence of the Christian life. What does it mean to be a Christian? We looked later on as the sustenance of the Christian life. Without me, ye can do nothing. If you come just on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or a Wednesday night, you're going to falter and fail as a Christian. You and I must abide, John 15, in Jesus Christ. We must succor from Him 
we must, we must commune with him on a regular basis so that we might have the strength to sustain the Christian life. I want to talk to you this morning about another essential. Last week we looked at the consciousness of the Christian life. We saw that our thoughts should always be Godward. We should be thinking on Him and His will and His plan and His purpose for our life. This morning's message is not one of those, oh me, that was a great message Sunday. But it's something that we want to and we need to be mindful of. I told you sometime past in a, in a church where I was an associate pastor much larger than this church, we had faith for altar workers. I remember a man came down to get saved and I greeted him and then I took one of our altar workers and I said, this gentleman wants to accept Christ as Savior. And others, as the invitation went on, we understood the altar worker was dealing with that person. And I overheard something the altar worker said once that man trusted Christ as Savior. He said this, now that you're saved, your life is going to be a bed of roses. Is that true right now in your family, Brother Paul? It's not true with Phil and Mary. I know Brother Miss Duncan really hasn't been true for you folks for a while, Bill and Mary Beth. And others, I could say, Wally and Rebecca and others. Uh, you think about that, Mike and Michelle. Has it been a bed of roses? That man did not know what he was talking about, should not have said that. This morning as we look at the testings of the Christian life, I want to look at two different aspects of its testing, its purpose and its process. God never wastes trials. Never wastes trials. Every test that we go through, every temptation is, is allowed by God and it's supposed to accomplish something in our life. The Christian life and its ultimate purpose can never be perfected in this life. I don't know if you believe this. I want you to know we do not believe this. This side of heaven, there's no such thing as sinless perfection. You and I can try and try as we ought. If we pick up the passion and purpose of Christ, if we go to Him each and every day and we lean on Him and we abide in Christ, we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we'll never quite get it this side of heaven. When we're faced with that testing, sometimes we're going to falter and fail. When something hits us and we don't know where it came from, sometimes we may just like our Savior, why? And those questions may emanate. So we think about this, it's never going to be, the Christian life is never going to be perfected in the, in the Bible. You said, preacher, I thought we just read from James that we can be perfect in Christ Jesus. The word there is mature. He wants us to grow on to maturity in Christ. So you look at this this morning. We are in school. We're learning some things. And the trials and the testings and the temptation of our faith are teaching us. They are our schoolmaster to help us to understand that without Jesus Christ, we are not going to survive. The Apostle Paul said that in ages to come, when we are in perfect union with Christ, we will witness the principalities and powers in the heavenlies of God, wonders, grace, and wisdom. But that's not the here and that's not the now. Now we're in this life, and the Apostle Paul talked about that life, and that we're going to have burdens and we're going to have trials, but we also can understand that Christ walks with us through those trials. It is only as we set our hearts on our heavenly calling that we fulfill our earthly mission. 
I'm going to break this down, and we talked about this, the purpose and the process of this testing or temptation. Once saved, each of us is called to do some specific work for Christ. Let me say this to you. You and I were saved for a purpose, and that purpose is not just to come to church. We're saved for a purpose. Every saint, a servant, every member, a minister. If God brings you and adds you to this body, he understands that your gifts and your spiritual gifts and your talents are needed in this church. So as he adds to the body, he gives for each of us a different specific role or task he wants us to do. I was telling our class about this in a, in a kind way. I hope that some of you never get to know Sean Perkins fully. He will tempt you. He will test you. He will try you. He will take your Bible and move it from your place if you go to the men's room and you hide it on the back. That just he, he thinks that's a spiritual gift. I was telling our people in our class, I'll never forget this, way, this day, Brother Sean, about a month and a half ago or so when he and Wendy came back into town for a while, he asked to meet and we went to, we went to Applebee's and, and this young hostess that seated us was a very young lady and she was very well tattooed and Sean first kind of just treated her like he treats you and me, he just kind of ruffled her feathers a little bit and that type of thing and then he got serious. I never heard this before. Tell me about your tattoos. I said, really, Brother Sean, you want to know about her tattoos? See, I don't have that. I don't understand that lifestyle. I don't, I didn't, I, I don't understand that. And he said, Pastor, everybody who has a tattoo, every place they're tattooed speaks of something uh, happening in their life, and they want to talk about it. And that young girl opened her entire life to us there on that, at that place. And the trials and the hardships she's gone through. Brother Sean exercised a gift that he has that I don't have. I could not reach that young lady. I could leave a track on the table. I could invite her. But I cannot reach her like Brother Sean could reach her. And you can reach somebody in this church and you can reach somebody for Christ that I cannot reach. And God brings you, think about this, once saved, we're called to do some specific work for the cause of Christ. And it's through the local church that that work is to be done. No lone rangers in the cause of Christ. That work is to be sponsored. We're very careful with parachurch organizations. Christ rose up and he bought and paid for the local church so that through this body, his body, that we might do his purpose in this world. And you're a part of that. But here's what happens. Satan will tempt us and test us to get us away from the work that God has called us to do. Temptation then is the means of testing to see are we fit for the work that God has called us to do. How many of you, since you've been saved... Every day of your Christian life, you walked it as it should be walked. You never faltered. You never failed. You never got mad at pastor, associate pastor. You never got out of church. You never held a grudge. You prayed every day. You read your Bible. I tend to believe if we're all honest, none of us could raise our hands. Guess what? Your faith was tested. 
and my faith is tested. And the purpose of that testing is to find out, are we fit for what God called us to do? Temptation rises and testing rises in our life to prepare us and show us the weak points in our life where we've got, we need to shore up and we are forced back to his side. I was reading a couple weeks ago about Union Pacific Railroad wanted a railroad from, from California to St. Louis. And there as they drove that golden spike and they connected those rails, it was over a trussle bridge outside St. Louis. This is during the turn of the century, and that great trussle bridge was loaded, I mean, was built, and that golden spike was driven. And they called an engineer before a train ever went down that track and said, we need to test that, that trussle bridge and make certain that it'll, it'll take the load that put on it. And so the head engineer of that project doubled the cars of any train that would ever, the car load on that bridge. And he doubled the payload on each car. And he told the, uh, the engineer of that, that, uh, that drove that train, I want you to go over that bridge and I want you to park it on that bridge. Don't go over it, park it. And one of the other engineers got kind of worried and he looked at that man and he said, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to break that bridge? He said, no, I'm trying to prove it cannot be broken. And some of you, that testing, that load has come because of some things in your life and it just about felt like to you that your, Christian, your Christianity wouldn't stand up. And can I say this to you, what the Lord is doing, He's testing you to make certain that you will stand up under that load. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. I think this is up on the screen. The testing of the church. Can I say this to you? And I, I, can't, I can't tell you about the theme just yet. I, I'm excited to share that with you. But it scares me about the theme for the new year because I know this. If we adopt that theme and we circle all of the, all of the programs and efforts of our church in 2020 around that theme, this church is going to be tested and I don't like testings. Peter says here, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should. I hear Brother Chapel, I said, uh, said it this way the gospel light attracts a lot of strange bugs. That's not you. Peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of his darkness into his marvelous light. The testing of the church, the church of Jesus Christ is God's medium of revealing himself to the world. We are to show forth his nature and his character. When you go out and you do business, can I say this to you, and you name the name of Christ, and you are a member of this church, can I say this to you, you carry with you the very reputation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the testing of the church then will come from the world and the flesh and the devil. Do you think that Christianity is safe in America? It absolutely is not. As we hold to the elements of our faith, as we hold to Bible doctrine, and we play them out in our society, I can tell you this, the world will come after the church. There's already a bill in the state of California right now to deny tax-exempt status, revoke the, fi uh, the, five, the, the tax-exempt status for all the churches in the state. And if California does it, every state in the union will follow because they see the tax dollars. 
or they tie those they tie those tax exempt statuses to will you adopt the way of the world in your bylaws and in your statement of faith the church is going to be tested the testings of the church will always come along the line of her communion with God remember we said this when we looked at we looked at our Savior and we said this, that there were three markers of his, of his life and that we ought to pick them up. Our Savior was in constant communion with His Father, was He not? A great while before day, He finds a place where He gets alone and He gets alone with, from His disciples and He finds a place and sometimes prayed through the night and it was in communion with His Heavenly Father. We said this in the weeks, and we talked about that. You and I are not going to survive in our faith unless there's constant communion with our Heavenly Savior. He was in constant communion with His Heavenly Father, but we said this. He was in cooperation. Can I say this to you? Each and every one of us here today, God is moving. God is stirring. God is pulling you in a way in your faith. Are you cooperating? Are you like Isaiah, here am I, Lord. Use me, send me, fill me. Are you cooperating with what God's plan and purpose for your life is? So we say this, the testing of the church will always come along the line of her communication with God and her cooperation with the plan of God. Rocky Mountain Baptist Church was not birthed 21 years ago so that we could have, have church bazaars and church functions and church suppers. We'll have some of those. But our purpose is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore. That's our purpose. And when we pick up that purpose, the devil is not pleased and the world is not pleased. And watch this. Then Satan comes after the church. A good church doing God's work will always be tested. Sometimes that testing is to involve the church while the things of the world to a such a degree that we forget our calling and have no time. I'm all for this. I'm all for gift for the bus kids. I'm all for love works. Put on your shirt and let's serve some teachers. I'm all for inviting in teachers and professional people and inviting them in and helping them to know, God bless you. Thank you for your service to the community. But Church of Jesus Christ, if we just become an organization that is all about the civic functions, we lose our standing and our purpose with God. That's not why we were raised up. Oh, that we would turn back to a time of communion with God. Look in your Bible, Luke chapter 10. I don't know, Brother Josh, if this is up there. Remember Mary and Martha, sisters that loved the Lord, and the Lord loved them. They had a place in Bethany where the Lord went. But the Lord shows up. Now watch this. How many of you have, ladies, how many of you have a sister? Have a sister. Are you, Rebecca, leave your hands up. Rebecca, are you very different from your sister? Sisters, you have a sister? Marsha, you do? Are you different from your sister? I love both of my daughters, but how different they are. They are different, different. For a while, before Karen graduated, Becky went off and got married. Karen graduated Bible college, and we built her a little uh, bedroom, bathroom downstairs. They were together in one room. They were different. Huh? And so are Mary and Martha, but Jesus shows up. Now watch this. Martha's serving, she's cooking, she's, she's cleaning the house, and she's making sure everything, the meal is just right. And I remember that some of you will remember Brother and Mrs. Marr. 
Do you remember Brother Mars? Sister Ardell? Kay and Ardell were they they loved each other, but they were so different. Kay came to us, and Brother and Mrs. Marr uh, came to us and joined the church, and what a blessing they were for so many years. But Ardell came from a different background, and she kind of dug in. She was kind of mad at Pastor for many weeks when she came. And I remember saying this after she came several weeks. I said, I'd like to come and visit with you. Sweetheart, were you with me? Did we go together? Okay. I, I never visit a lady alone, so we must have gone together. Anyway, Kay warns me. Now, any of you, ladies, you remember going over Kay's house? If Kay made a meal, watch this, honestly, if she cut that pie, every piece of pie would be the same size. Every little of whipped cream would be the same Every little bowl of jello would be the same. Well, Ardell was exactly opposite. I remember that day we went over her house and she had a knife. I think this thing was three feet long. And she came into the room and she was waving it. She said, Pastor, do you like pumpkin pie? I thought she was going to cut her throat. I said, I love pumpkin pie. She said, Miss Rogers, what about you? You want some pumpkin pie? Yes, we want pumpkin pie. She gave me the biggest piece of pumpkin pie I ever ate in my life. The next day, the next Sunday when we saw Kay, she didn't want to know whether Ardell was going to join the church or not. She said, Pastor, please tell me that yours and Mrs. Rogers' pumpkin pie was all the same size. I said, it absolutely wasn't, and it was awesome. My pie barely fit on my plate. And she said, oh, I'm so embarrassed. That's Martha. She was a K-Mar. Everything's got to be perfect for the Lord. And, but watch this. But Mary, what was Mary doing? Mary was sitting at the Savior's feet at Rocky Mountain Baptist Church. Can I tell you this? The testings are going to come. They're coming right now in the lives and people of this church. What is going to get us through that time at the Savior's feet? Serve we will and serve we should. But may we at Rocky Mountain choose what is needful. And what is needful is to sit at the feet of Christ. Oh, I want to show you a truth to remember when tested. Now let's go away from the church and talk about personal testing. I'm going to make a statement, and may we always remember it. A testing, all testing from the child of God and the church of Jesus Christ is under the supervision of whom? Do you think that Satan is running willy-nilly, loose and free in earth? No, he's not. He is a prince in power of the air. But he's not running willy-nilly and free doing whatever he wants. Can I tell you this? Do you know that Satan couldn't touch a hair on Job's head? Unless God said it's okay. I'm going to go a step further. He couldn't touch a hair on one of his camels. Unless God said you can touch that hair. Am I right? And so, child of God, I understand, and I, I, wor I, I think about this, and I can tell you that last night, and even and tried, I tried to sleep, and I, I saw Mary Wolford in a state I've never seen her, and I know this, that if, God to, if, if the Lord, if the Lord is, is not going to heal her, I know that I don't believe that Mary Wolford will be here for, for Christmas. I pray that she is, but I think about this, and my heart was heavy when I left there, and I realized sometimes as pastor, I want to go to a place like that. I want to lift a burden. I want to dry a tear, but but I'm limited. But he is not. 
God's not making a mistake in Phil and Mary's life. God is not making a mistake in George and Fern's life. God is not making a mistake, Brother Wally, in you and Rebecca's life. God makes no mistake. Every testing, all the temptation is under the supervision of a loving Heavenly Father. What do we mean by that? Because if we're not, think about this. So the key for Job to get through that testing is the same key for you and I. We must submit ourselves to God. Can I say this to you? It does no good for you to resist the devil unless you first submitted to God. I'm just going to resist the devil. I'm going to resist the devil. It's not going to work. You're going to falter. You're going to crumble. You're going to fail unless you first Commit your way unto the Lord in yourself. Look at the screen if you would. But if you are submitted to God, then God holds the reins of the horse upon which Satan rides. Is that true? How many of you horsemen in here are horse ladies? You can ride a horse. Oh, I, I love horses. I wish I could ride them. First time I got on a horse, we had a neighbor lady out in Ellicott. She had the prettiest lilac bushes you ever saw in your life. Her name was Mrs. Brewer. She loved those lilacs. She sung to them. She watered them. She, they were just perfect. And they were in bloom. And I remember my brother put me on this horse. And that horse, while she was cutting them, ran through the lilacs, laid them down, turned around, came right back through the lilacs. I love horses. I just can't ride them. Some of you feel like Satan's on this horse and he's coming after me. Can I tell you this? Satan is on a horse and he's coming after, but the reins are in our Father's hands. Look at Luke, if you would, there. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But watch what he says. But one thing, what is needful, child of God, when you're going through tribulation? One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away. What was that good part that Mary chose? Get to the Savior's feet. If we're submitted to God, that God holds the reins of the horse upon which Satan rides, the agents of testing and, and temptation, sometimes of the circumstances of life and the frailty of the flesh, but they are known and watched and held in check by God. Somebody said it this way. I don't remember where I heard it, but when I have a lesson like this, the Holy Spirit reminds me, remember this. Remember that when you are going through Satan's sifter, that you can fall no further than the hands of the intercessor. Ladies, do they use, do you use sifters anymore? Huh? Some of you, and you think, I'm going through Satan's sifter. You can fall no further than the, than the hands of the intercessor. Christ's temptation. In Matthew chapter number 4, we're not going to turn there. Some of you, if you were to turn there, Matthew chapter 4, you understand how Satan tempted the Lord. Can I say this to you? Satan has no new tricks. He really doesn't. The same way he tested and tempted Eve and Adam is the same way he tempted and tested our Lord and the same way he tempted and tested you. He has no new tricks. I want you to look at that. We'll break it down just a little bit. When you think, and it's based in Matthew chapter 4 and verses number 1 through 10. Matter of fact, go, go there real quickly. We're, we're on time this morning. Go to Matthew 4. I want you to see this because this is where Satan will tempt and try to get us off the plan and the purpose of God in our life. Somebody said it this way, he exhausted all of his methods in the wilderness. He showed all of his cards. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, now then was Jesus led up 
uh, of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. There's the first way Satan tempts us, natural desires. Can I say this to you men, regardless of age, but especially you young men, when I look at you, Brother Nathan, and, and I look at some of you, Brother brother Patrick, where's your sons? Liam and, and Tan, and Tan's not here, but Liam and Patrick and Alex, and you young men and you young ladies, can I say this to you? Understand this, that your sexual desires is one of the strongest desires God gives you, and Satan will test you there. He will tempt you there. He'll test you today and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year, and marriage doesn't undo it. I'm just going to get married, and my wife will meet all my sexual needs, and I'll no longer be tempted. Not true. Your natural desire, Christ hungered and thirsted, and here the devil tempts him, and he'll test you and tempt me through hunger. But he goes on. Look at this. Christ answered him, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's also found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 3. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and set him upon the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. The second testing there was spiritual apparitions. I want to take you up on the uh, pinnacle of the temple, that spiritual apparition. Now watch this. If we're not careful sometimes, and there's something in our heart beating that we want to do for God and whatnot, and sometimes that takes us astray. Somebody have asked me, and I don't know if I can answer this yet. Preacher, what about Kanye? What's going on with Kanye? Joel Olstein had Kanye last week. What do you think about that? We can take this and watch this if we're not careful. We can take the spiritual aspirations that we have, and the devil can tempt us and take those aspirations in the direction away from the plan of God. Then we look at this, trust in God. His angels, he's going to give... His angels charged, and I'm going to mean this, the trial. If you're not going through it, and I want to be a blessing, and that's why I said the message this morning, I think about this, is not one of those warm and fuzzy messages. You're going to walk out and say, boy, I was really blessed this morning. But I'm going to tell you this, if you've never gone through a trial so deep and so dark that you wonder your prayers are, 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 are the heavens are brass, and you don't know if God is hearing, you don't know God that answered, and you don't see God moving, there's going to be trials like that. And you're going to be tested. And you're going to wonder if God is really hearing or understanding. This is going to be a time that your trust in God is going to be questioned. And then lastly, vocational ambition. He offers to Christ the kingdom. The world, our personal circumstances, and our weak flesh may seem too powerful, but God, I mean for us, but God has them all under his control. Aren't you glad? Some of you, I say this to you, you men or you ladies, if you have yielded this week to the flesh, God is trying to tell you, you are weak in that area. I've called you to service. There's something I want you to do, but I've, I, I, and he didn't tempt you. But through that temptation and us yielding to that temptation, he helps us to understand you're not as strong as what you think you are, and I can't use you like I want to use you till you shore up. That avenue, come back to me, lean on me, sucker from me. So we close with this. 
our faith is going to be tested. Is that true? Number two, the purpose of this testing is to show where we are weak and to drive us back to his side. Number three, we all fall. True or false? But here's the other part of that. None of us need to fall. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We all fall. But none of us need to fall. Somebody said it this way, when Satan lie, when Satan uh, uh, starts the house of temptation on fire, God has always got a back door of escape. Amen. We don't have to fall. Amen. We don't have to falter. We don't have to fail. Our faith is going to be tested. The purpose of the testing is to show we're weak. We're all going to fall, but we don't have to. And lastly, when Satan, when we fall, it's because we refuse God's avenue first. Escape. I want you to turn to one last text. And we'll, Brother Josh, I don't think I gave this to you. I think I added. Oh, right. Yeah, I did. Do you have the next verse too? All right. Look, can we say this together? Nay, in some things, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. <laughs> I did this the other day. I don't even remember what football game, what it was. Somewhere I went someplace, because I don't watch them. Uh, I, I, I wasn't watching at home, but someplace, I was out in the public or something. Oh, it's in Sam's. And Sam's had a football game on one of the TVs. And I happened to know how that game ended. And I'm standing there watching it, and the team that actually won didn't look good when I was watching that TV. You know, I got to thinking, I know how this is going to come out. Amen. Child of God, it may not look good now. It might, you might look and you're being tested. And some of you are being tempted. And it doesn't look good. You don't know if you're going to be able to. Can I say this to you? That if you come to him and understand, Lord, I need you. I've got to get through this time of trial and testing. He'll bear you up. Amen. Look at this. Go back to verse 37, Brother Josh, would you? I didn't finish it. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Does Jesus love you? Yes, he loves you. Now, verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Can I say this to you, Christian? You're on the winning side. I wasn't there for this. It was a couple years after we left Bible college. One of the young men surrendered to the gospel ministry, went off to the same college I graduated from. I think he heard me sometimes tell one of my heroes in the faith back then was Dr. Curtis Hudson. Took over the sword of the Lord from John R. Rice. Unbelievable man of God. Curtis Hudson got cancer. One of these young men that was at Bible college said, Brother Rogers, I'm going to send you a, it was then a VHS. I want you to see what I saw in chapel today. Curtis Hudson is standing and preaching to those young people. He's hooked up with oxygen. His body, he lost over 80 pounds. And he had the student body stand. And he said, I want to lead you in a song. We're on the winning side. 
Yes, I'm on the winning side. Tears coming down his face. And within a matter of a couple of weeks, he was in heaven. But what he was trying to tell that young student potty, if their body is cancer-ridden, ridden, if there's, you can't do what you once did, you're still on the winning side. Dr. John Rice was a man that I didn't know him, Brother Bill, like you or Brother Wally. You men knew him, but I just loved that man when he came at least twice a year to Hiles Anderson. Dr. Rice had no insurance. Health, life, vehicle, no insurance. I'm not advising that. Okay? But if you knew God like Dr. Rice knew God, you'd be okay with it. Dr. Rice came one time a year and preached the same message, prayer, answering, and receiving. It's in one of his books. I could preach the message. I heard it so many times. I believe this is 1981. On Wednesday, he was in chapel. Now, remember that Dr. Rice always said this. I have asked God not to let me live one day beyond my usefulness. He was involved with the Rice Reference Bible. Little did we know... That day he came to chapel, his prayer was, God, don't let me live one day beyond my usefulness. He asked us to open our Bible, and we turned our Bible, and in my mind, even though I loved Brother Rice to be there, I'd heard this message so many times, I, he kind of lost me, except then he didn't because he stammered, and he stammered, and he repeated himself for 15 to 17 minutes, and that great prayer warrior, that great man of God began to cry and he looked out at that student body and he apologized and closed his Bible for the last time and he said, young people, I'm sorry I've wasted your time Wednesday every Thursday the pastor had a radio broadcast, 10 o'clock in the morning, all classes, wherever you were had to stop. They had to tune into that radio broadcast. Wednesday, Brother Rice was in chapel. Closed his Bible. Said, young people, I'm sorry. I've wasted your time. Thursday morning, we heard this. I'm sorry to announce that Dr. John R. Rice has gone home to be with the Lord. When you're stammering and stammering, you can't find your way. If you're a Dr. Hudson, Curtis Hudson, and your body is racked with cancer, but you understand this, I'm on the winning side, and there's something God's called me to do. I may not be able to do it, but I'm going to do it till he calls me home. Child of God, can I say this to you? Some of you are there. You're going through Satan's sifter. You can't fall any further than the hands of the intercessor. Stand, please. Father, help us this morning.